0: Welcome back to Devils in Detail. It's Friday afternoon and we're back to talk some Sun Devil football. I'm your host Zach McHale and this week on the mic I'm joined by Cody Whitehouse and Trevor Booth. Guys, how we doing?
1: Doing good. Doing great. We got a day game tomorrow so I'm excited. First of two, you know, next week as well.
0: Don't get me too excited but we're gonna get right into it. We're gonna start actually with a day game from last week. Before we get to that, ASU knocks off USC, right back in the thick of the division race now. They go into LA, into Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. And give Clay Helton his first loss at home in 19 tries. I mean, what an impressive effort, Trevor. I'll start with you. You were at the game. Yep. First off, how was LA?
2: It was awesome. It was great to see. It was kind of cloudy over the weekend, but you know it's nice to get out to LA. I, I
0: saw some pictures at the beach. I saw I saw some good food. It looked like really yep. like a good weekend. Yeah. Better weekend for football though. Let's see. Let's hear what you, what you thought of that game.
2: Well, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to two words: consistency and resiliency. For the first time, we saw the offense consistent. Manny Wilkins hit six receivers in the first half. Eno Benjamin had a great game to start. And even when things got bad for ASU, when they did lose that 17-point lead, they were able to come back. We saw Kobe Williams make the big play. And they are able to win that game down the stretch. And for Manny Wilkins to have that moment to score the rushing touchdown, even though he probably should have slid, that's got to be a great moment for him and a great momentum booster for this team.
0: Absolutely. And Cody? So I think with this
1: win, really Clay Helen's out at USC. First off, I think really Sun Devils gave him his resignation pretty much right there. And I was really impressed with the play of Nikhil Harry. We're gonna have to see more play like that from Nikhil Harry. Of course, four receptions for ninety-five yards, a touchdown, and of course a once-in-a-lifetime catch with his one-handed grab, similar to Odell Beckham's, and of course the ninety-two-yard punt return touchdown. Went sideline to sideline, then of course 90 yards from there almost went backwards at some time. So I think we're going to see more Nikhil. We're going to have to see that more from Nikhil if we want to see the Sun Devil team have the same success they had last week.
0: It's funny you bring up the Nikhil power term. we'll get to that, but it was in availabilities this week. Now a couple days after the game removed from the game, a lot of his teammates were telling him not to catch that ball because it was yeah. going over his head. And it's and that's as a, naturally as a kicker returner, you don't want that ball to be caught just an off chance you drop it. Rolls into the end zone. The other uh, USC recovers. I mean, that game turns a full 180 in that in that scenario. But Trevor, you Brent, you mentioned the two words that describe the game for you. I'm going to raise you that two words, and I'll give you three. Third down defense. The Mm -hmm. Sun Devils were two allowed just two conversions out of 11 to the Trojans on third down. Really exposed Jack Sears for what he is—a redshirt freshman making his first career college start. He went 20 of 28, really respectable numbers. Herm Edwards actually went to their bus after the game to congratulate the man on his performance in coming into such a tough situation. But the fact of the matter is, Arizona State dominated on defense for the first time in what felt like a long time.
2: Right. And that was a game where, they, as we said, they made the plays when they needed to on both sides. And we haven't seen that before. And as you mentioned, Zach, just a really emotional moment. We also saw Herm Edwards hug Ray Anderson after the game. And have some words with everything that this team has been through the the close seven point losses this was a chance for the team to hopefully get over the hump and with the record they have they couldn't be in a better situation right now
1: and like trevor said you know with the record they do have with counting how the season has gone to this point i think they're really in a good situation sitting about second best odds to win the pac-12 south with the chaos that did happen last week and there was a lot of it so i think asu can either build off this win a lot and you know really ride that to the Pac-12 South Championship, or this can just be a bright spot otherwise dark season that's been so far.
0: Now we don't really talk too much about opposing teams after the fact. I mean we talked primarily ASU Devils mm-hmm. in detail, not Trojans in detail. But <laughs> uh, USC really was uh, pretty banged up for that game. I mean yeah. obviously I just mentioned Daniels not being able to, to go, Jack Sears having to step in, but three of USC's top defenders as well. No Marvel Tell in the secondary. No Cameron Smith or Porter Gustin lost for the season. Gustin, that is, uh, with some injuries. So, I mean, the fact that USC only lost by three points, I, I, I'm more tying this back to what you, were, you said earlier, Cody, about about the, um, the resi- resignation of Clay Helton, if you will. I think this really just shows the caliber of team USC is still able to put together. There was three second teamers, they can go two, two guys deep, three guys deep if they really needed to. I'm sure, as they did with with Sears, to still compete and if not, and if not in some cases, still win. So I mean, I think that this is a team that really, I mean, the injuries maybe give Clay Helton another another pass, despite the record this is not being as good as it could be.
1: And year after year, like you said, they have the most talented group in the Pac-12. I think that's pretty evident in their recruiting classes. And it's a really easy place. You know, you're on the beach. It's you know, Trevor was there. It's an easy place. You want to go play in the Coliseum. It's quite easy. So I think there's got to be someone better for the job. Clay Helen's done a great job, uh, you know, filling in. I just don't think he's the long-term answer there to really progress these players forward. Uh, Daniels really hasn't shown much improvement throughout the year. I know he's only a freshman, but I think USC fans want to see more from their glory days. You know, they've had such a rich tradition. It's hard, you know, not being able to be in the Pac-12. Uh, from her receipt year in and year out, like they're used to.
2: Yeah, and speaking of that tradition, I was just walking around looking at the Coliseum. I see all the national championships they have, first round draft picks. That's a historic program. And if they get the right guy in charge, they can still be that because uh, as a recruit, and I'm not even being recruited, but that's a school that I would definitely keep my eyes on just being there.
0: I mean, between health and alone, I mean, athletic director Lynn Swan, multiple times Super Bowl winner. I mean, maybe he gets a pass this season, but next year the pressure is on in LA to compete. Mm-hmm. Now moving, but moving on from the beaches, the sunshine. We're coming back. We're coming to the sunshine. It's a little drier though. We're gonna get back to the desert. Take it back to some Arizona State football. Actually, excuse me. We are a little bit ahead. Of, I'm a little ahead of schedule there, but uh, want to take a look, quick look back at the at uh, the rest of the pack. Kind of see where teams fell. I mean, you guys, you guys got a good chance to uh, to catch up with some of the other games this week. I mean, what, what was what was one thing that really blew your mind this weekend?
1: I think my mind was blown about. Six, seven different times from just looking at these scores, looking the way everything lined up. I was mostly paying attention to the Washington State game. I love Mike Leach. I love watching that offense work. You know, and they looked like Stanford was going to prevail, you know, which Stanford's a good program year in year out. Then Wazoo put up 17 points in the fourth quarter alone to beat Stanford 41 38. Now they're ranked number eight in the nation, not in the Pac 12. The nation, they came in one of the worst teams. And We thought really throughout this year that they're going to be one of the worst teams in this conference, and now they're eighth in the nation. Just mind-blowing, first off, for there. And there's a lot more you guys, I'm sure, are going to cover from last week in the Pac-12.
2: Yeah, for me, it starts with the other two teams in the Pac-12 North. When you look at Washington and Oregon, Jake Browning getting benched. I mean, who would have thought that would happen? And then Arizona just absolutely demolishing Oregon, who had their best win of the season against Washington, and it looked like they were going to be that team that took control of the Pac-12 North. Maybe that slim chance of making the playoff. And now they're out of it, too. It just goes to show that this conference has been all over the place this year.
0: Now, you guys have just mentioned most of the Pac-12 North. I'm going to raise you the last team in the Pac-12 North as the most shocking thing of the weekend. Oregon State, some call them Dumpster Fire You, Some people call them other things. I call them the Beavers. But um, first road win in four years in, for this team. I mean, hats off to Jonathan Smith. This is a really tough situation to come into being a – Largely under experience, inexperienced team with a lot of growing to do after the mess Gary Anderson left after, from the past few seasons. They come back from 31 to 3, nearly one in regulation. A block PAT sends the game to overtime, and Jack Coletto is able to, to get a QB keeper and run in. And Beavers all of a sudden get a Pac 12 win. I mean, this is, I, I honestly. Did either of you think the Beavers were going to win a Pac-12 game this uh, year? I did
1: not. not. Not at all. I, You know, they've just been so bad watching them against ASU. They showed no life, no life really, throughout that game. So the fact that they came back from 31-3 to against Colorado has been one of the better teams in the Pac-12. It's just a stunning week for the Pac-12. Just on slide and killed each other pretty much throughout the week.
0: Absolutely. And now Colorado's loss opens things up once again for Arizona State. I mean, it's just something that... When when the Devils lost in Boulder, it really felt like a bit of a lost cause. They were back under five hundred. Really, things were not going their way. Obviously, Nikhil Harry gets blown up on a punt return cover on punt return. Mm-hmm. Man Wilkins gets injured at the end of the game. You know, Benjamin succumbs to altitude and exhaustion. So does the offensive line. I mean, that was really a perfect storm. Even though there's really not much rain in Colorado necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they Arizona State has an, a golden opportunity under Herm Edwards. Something that, that it feels like they frequently do have, which is a chance to get that signature win late in the season and take command of the division. Past few years, they've not been able to do it. They had a chance last year at home against USC. Sam Darnold picked them apart, as many people would expect. Now, a new chance against number 15 Utah. Utes get ranked 15th in the college football playoff poll. Second time they're playing the number 15 team, though. I mean, this year, big difference, though. All right. Utah's team has earned that right. Michigan State, I don't think, really had it. They had a lot of guys that were they, were they were being credited on the merits of last season. This Utah team, though, is for real.
2: Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to this game. Who's going to be able to outsmart the other team? Because Utah's going to throw a lot of misdirection on offense with Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley in the backfield. But ASU also has the three-three-five scheme that not a lot of teams have seen. So if they can throw out some curveballs there, if Danny Gonzalez can switch it up and make Utah kind of confused too, that's going to be a way that they could potentially outsmart them on that end.
1: And this one's really going to come down to the quarterback play, I think, from Tyler Huntley. He started out his career last year very inconsistent, started out the beginning this year very inconsistent. Now Utah on a four-game win streak coming into this game. They're averaging over 40 points a game during this streak. They didn't show anything the first four games of the season against the likes of Washington. Even Northern Illinois, they only put up 17 points. So it's really going to, Right on, I think, the hands of Tyler Huntley at the quarterback position. You know, of course, Zach Moss. He's a great running back, averaging 143 yards per game, um, you know, for a month. And it's really going to come down. He's going to run over defenders. He's going to do his best, just, you know, be a bruiser in the backfield. But it's going to come into the hands of Tyler Huntley, I believe, in this
0: game. I mean, you said you pretty much just summed it up right there. But, I mean, (laughs) the big thing with Moss and Huntley is that that's made Utah so dangerous the past few weeks is, when one when one underperforms, the other one picks it up mm-hmm. and and kicks it into another gear. I mean, we really haven't seen Moss have a bad game in the last month. But before that, even when Utah I mean, Utah saw six wins. Those other two wins have been games. Tyler Huntley is quite frankly balled out. He, right. he really is, he's looked great in the other two games. And it's 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 gonna be a matchup of the two of the top ten rushers in the nation. You know, Benjamin's seventh. He's got nine hundred thirty eight yards. Zach Moss, I don't know the exact number, but he's six. Mm-hmm. and these are two teams that I mean Moss is, runs a bit similarly to Benjamin very good at keeping his feet moving initiates contact more than absorbing it he's great at getting to the outside and going between the tackles i mean if Arizona State has seen nothing from Benjamin this uh, learned, has taken nothing from else from Benjamin instead they're going to play a, a guy that similarly resembles his style of running on Saturday
1: and one thing also to look out for, Utah's in prime position right now. Really, the Cards have fallen in their way to win the Pac-12 South for the first time since they joined the conference in 2011. They've had several opportunities to do so, and they've all choked them away. So that's another big thing to look out for. You know, all, Really, all the pressure is on Utah in this one. 15th ranked team coming in the nation. They're playing a 500 team at ASU, which is dangerous. You know, They come in with all the momentum, so all the pressure I feel like is going to have to be on them. They come in with a great defense. It's going to be key against Eno Benjamin. So, Zach, just talk about more about that Utah defense, what they're going to have to do to limit, you know, Benjamin.
0: Well, you know, I think it really starts with Chase Hansen. I mean, this team as a whole has the number three rush defense in the nation. They only allow 81 yards a game on the ground, which quite frankly is absurd. Can you guys guess, but off, off the top of your heads, can you guys guess the other two teams that are ahead of
2: Utah? Uh, Michigan State's number one. That's absolutely
0: correct. Now give me number two. It's another ASU opponent.
2: Oh, I, I literally just saw this the other day. Uh, yeah,
0: I did too. Yeah. <laughs> wrote an article on this. I can't remember who number 2 is. Uh It's it's a, it's San Diego State. They've played. Okay. So now this this will be the ASU will have gone against the 1 2 number 1, number 2 and number 3 top rushing defenses in the country. I mean, so if anyone's got if nothing if they lose this game, uh, the one thing you can tip your hat on if you're Herm Edwards is we are going out there, we are competing against those types they're, they're going out and competing against those types of teams that are going to try and take away your best aspect of your game. So I mean, this is I'm excited personally, but I think Chase Hansen really is where it starts. Senior linebacker Kyle Wenningham converts him from defensive back to a lineback, to linebacker for his final season, and the result has been just absolutely outstanding. I mean, Hansen's got 14 TFLs, four sacks, two picks, three passes defended, a touchdown, a fumble recovery. I mean, he 44 solo tackles. I mean, he just does just about everything you can imagine you'd want in a senior. And I mean, someone as a defensive anchor. I mean, this this guy. You you look at guys in all across all sports for uh, mediums. Good players make the guys around them better, and that's exactly what Chase Hansen does. And like
1: you said, Chase Hansen, little known fact, he's actually a quarterback in high school. And of course, Kyle Winningham has a history of. Taking offensive players, turning them into de- defensive stars, and that's exactly what Hanson has done. Bounce around from uh, defensive back to now to linebacker for his senior year, and he's just really, you know, the key to that defense. He's going to be everywhere for them, so it's really going to be a key to make sure Chase Hansen is not blowing it up on the defensive side of the ball. If you want Eno Benjamin go anywhere against the stout Utah defense.
2: Yeah, that's going to be the key is to get Eno going because if Manny Wilkins has to rely on his arm for the majority of the game, if he gets in the 40, 50 pass attempts, that's going to be really hard for Arizona State. Utah's going to get to drop back more in coverage. It's going to be more predictable if they can shut him down. So that's going to be the key is to try to get everything going so it's not just the pressure on the passing game.
0: If you're Arizona State, you want Tyler Huntley to throw this football. Mm-hmm. You want him to. You want to make the guy that's far more inconsistent, more prone to mistakes, have to beat you because, like I just said, you're more you're more likely to get that interception, maybe a mishandled snap, even a even a couple of turnovers. I mean, because frankly, I think the Sun Devils need are gonna need a little bit of help to win this game. They're are, they play well at home, they consistently beat ranked teams at home, but this Utah team is very complete in terms of its offense, defense, and special teams. All three facets of its game are very well established, and Kyle Whittingham knows that. And he's going to try and execute them and hit them at the points where it's really going to swing the game in favor of Utah.
1: Then one more guy you got to watch out for on the offensive end. If you do have uh, Huntley throwing that ball, it's Braden Covey, the 5'8 wide receiver. Only a sophomore, took two years off from his freshman year for LDS mission, but he's a really great job. At least receiving by over oh, 300 yards from the next guy. The next guy's about 200. He's over 500, so you really got to watch out for Braden Covey. Uh, returning in uh, on the receiving end of the football.
0: I'll actually match it with one more. Uh, add one more bit to Britton Covey. Fun fact about Britton Covey is this season he may he may lead the team in receiving yards, but another another one of those converted quarterback to rec- uh, to quarterbacks. He's got more passing touchdowns than he does receiving touchdowns this year. Oh. Kyle Whittingham's used him three times. He's three for three, 71 yards and two touchdowns. Not a bad pass rating, I would imagine. Wow. But uh, th- this is a guy that's really going to have to be what, look look kept a close eye on whether he's when he's getting the ball in the backfield because you know he's capable of slinging it
1: and of course Darren uh, Carrington of course from Oregon a couple years back I believe he's still in our squad so just a lot of weapons on this team you mentioned the special teams of course they year in and year out they have the, one of the best punters and one of the best kickers in the nation so that's something you really got to watch out for this team they're gonna try to limit you in all three assets of the game because all three of those assets are important to coach Whittingham
0: absolutely now Let's get to it, guys. Predictions for the game: who wins, and let's get a score.
1: You know, I'm I'm gonna have to be a homer here. I'm gonna say Utah, 35 to 21. I think you know they really dominate this game at the line of scrimmage, um, both on the offensive defensive side of the ball. You know, Benjamin doesn't go anywhere.
2: Yeah, I got Utah 28 17 in this one. They just got too many weapons and things they can do for Arizona State, and it seemed a team that struggled on the run before. And with Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss, it's just a lot of things they're going to have to watch out for. I think it leads to that kind of game. Like I
0: mentioned earlier this year, Arizona State's been a little bit of a letdown in these big games that could swing their postseason fate. I think this is a, a game that defines the difference between T- Herm Edwards and Todd Graham. I say Devils 24-17. to 17. Whoa.
1: Slowing down that offensive attack, over 40 points a game for straight
0: slowing it down both teams are going to run the ball the clock's going to be moving a lot during this game i would not be surprised to see possessions number of plays each team running dropping tremendously from what they've been doing it's really just it comes down to though can arizona state get that make make the plays they need to offensively i think they can i think benjamin is going to be able to match up well to the Utah defense and i think Wilkins' ability to run the ball is going to make things a little bit interesting too but when push comes to shove i think this defense the fact that trevor mentioned earlier 335 is not really frequently seen this is a team that i think utah might be in for a bit of a surprise
3: yeah
1: i'd have to agree yeah. with that you know i this game can go either way we've utah i, I thought was a str- decently strong team last year and asu went in there and absolutely demolished them you know they really controlled that game so utah i think has been a big letdown over the last couple of years so i could see asu sneaking this one out i just think this is utah year you know, finally after choking away so many times
2: before. Yeah, having the opportunity to win the conference for the first time or get to that conference championship game and being so close now, having the team to do it, that kind of plays into it.
0: Now I'm glad you brought up getting to the conference title game, Trevor. We're going to end the show with some postseason predictions. All I need to know, I need four four things from you guys. It's going to be a bit of a rapid fire. First thing, Pac-12 South winner. Go. Utah. Utah. I'm going to go with Utah as well. Pac-12 North winner. Washington State.
1: Washington State.
0: I'm going to join you there. Who wins it?
2: I got Utah.
1: You know, I'm going to say Washington State, they've looked good all year. I think Gardner Minshew so is just going to keep thro- throwing the ball over that Utah defense. They're good against Ron. I don't know so much but against the past.
0: Yeah, you're looking at the uh, president of the Tempe chapter of the Gardner Minshew fan club, so I think, <laughs> uh, I think I'm think i going to go with the Cougs in this one as well. Uh, Conference player of the year.
1: I think just like we just mentioned, Gardner Minshew leading the nation in passing. You You can't give it to anyone else. Price Love hasn't looked that good. Anyone else really hasn't looked that good. So I, I think Gardner.
2: Yeah, going away, Gardner Minshew.
0: Absolutely, Minshew. Fun story about him. Mike Leach contacted him just days before he was going to accept an offer at Alabama. Minshew was going to be a backup this year and had an offer to be a grad assistant next year with the hopes of eventually getting into coaching. Leach called him, said, hey, how would you like to be the leading passer in the nation? Flipped him. Incredible. It, so impressive work there. And then, of course, coach of the year.
1: You know, like you said, you're the president of the Gardner Minshew Club. I'm the president of the Mike Leach fan club, Tempe-based. Mike
2: Leach, Coach of the Year. Sign me up. I'm on board too. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think I think Leach is just just about everything you can ask out of a team. Whittingham, definitely a a close second though, out of Utah. I think it's really become a two. This team's this conference all of a sudden has become a two-team conference with Mm -hmm. a lot of mush I guess underneath them that's I guess that's the best word to go with it right? and a lot
1: of weird mush you know we see Oregon in that mush we see Washington we see Stanford USC teams that are predominantly you know year in and year out you know dominating teams and they're in the middle of this mush that we call a Pac-12
0: absolutely so I mean hopefully we'll see maybe some teams rise from the mush in years to come or weeks to come even because uh two teams makes things a little less uh, interesting but for now I mean the two teams we're going to be focused on this Saturday Arizona State, Utah. Once again, I'm Zach McHale. Join alongside Trevor Booth and Cody Whitehouse saying thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.